Hey everybody, welcome back to The Pixelist, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake, and today we're here to talk about some Critical Role, some Apogee Solstice goodness. Our bread and butter, let's get back to it. Bro, I'm excited to dive in. Speak about bread and butter, dude. You ever had that homemade like sweet bread? You put a little butter on top, toss it in the microwave for about 30 seconds, let it kind of melt into it. The sweet bread like soaks it up, dude. Yes. Cup of coffee, good to go. <laughs> is you, is, what kind of sweet bread are we talking? Is it is. An, it's an orange sweet bread that oh. we made. Yeah, dude. homemade. Homemade, bro. I didn't know yeah. you had that in your repertoire. My wife made it. I did not. <laughs> that sounds good. It, it reminds me of uh, old mill days and those. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, those sweet breads. Yeah. Which and then you. Well, then you take the orange and you shave like the orange zest over the top, so it's nice and delicious. Fancy, yeah, dude. That sounds real good. I've got oh, I've got my coffee. Unfortunately, I don't have any delicious treats to go with it, though. That's okay. Um, also random, but you know, sweet bread is like the name for like uh, it's like a culinary name for like some stuff that's real gross. Do you know? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> is this about to get weird? What are you? <laughs> what are you talking about? Let me look this up. Dude, you are such a weird person. I'm not, bro. Favorite all number. Right. It's you got all these weird things about you. It's like I'm the just, more I do this show, the more I'm like, who is this person? I've known you my listen, whole life, and I'm, I'm just, like, who is this guy? I'm just more cultured, clearly. But sweetbread is a culinary name for the thymus or pancreas, typically from a calf or a lamb. Oh, okay. Learned that like lesson a... the hard way one day. I was like, oh, sweetbreads. That sounds good. <laughs> What's the one? Uh, like, what is it? Um, the the bull testicles that people are like, oh, that sounds good. And you're like, wait, what is that? Oh, yeah. Uh, like Rocky Mountain Oysters or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know how thymus and pancreas got labeled sweetbreads, but yeah, be I careful, those of you out there. I wish you hadn't taken my morning ritual and just totally soiled it with your own <laughs> connection. Well, yeah. I mean, just just to clarify, Blake was talking about literal bread, not having pancreas with his coffee and orange I'm like, slices. Yeah, that's what I had. It's, it's delicious. So, all right. Well, welcome you all to another fancy episode of the Pixelist podcast. And yeah, we're getting a little. The Apogee Solstice continues with episode 52 of Campaign 3. Yep. I'm excited to talk about it. We got other announcements for, before we jump in? Um, The only one, then there might be another, but the only one I can remember is we are currently having our giveaway for 5,000 subscribers. There is a uh, video on the channel called the giveaway video. I think it's our 100th episode as well. So if you haven't checked that out, do that. Make sure you leave a comment on that video. That'll be how we, uh, that's how you enter um, to win a copy of Taldori Reborn. We will be choosing one of those random websites that selects a YouTube comment, and that's how we'll be picking. Um, I think we said maybe at the end of this week, we will, yeah. <clears throat> either end of this week, start of next week, will be when we officially pull the trigger on that and choose our winner so again thank you guys for helping us get to 5,000 subs and make sure you uh check out that video so that you have a chance to win 
Yeah, um, and also if you're here and you want more D and D content, you might check out Worlds Beyond Number. It's an audio narrative adventure available on Spotify and I'm sure multiple other platforms, but um, from the team, I I don't know if it's fair to say the team over at dimension 20, because obviously it is those people, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if they want to be referenced that way or not, or if they want to just, you know, Hey, we're the world's beyond crew now. Right. Um, But uh, hosted by Brennan Lee Mulligan, uh, Abria Iyengar, uh, Erica Ishii and Lou Wilson, are the four people who are part of it. And it's a D&D adventure currently. So you can check that out. We've been covering, we covered episode one. We're going to have episode two um, coming out shortly. Uh, so just another another plug for more D&D stuff. Yeah. So. And it, it, it's good. Uh, Blake and I are both really enjoying it so far. So if you need yeah. you need an audiobook podcast or whatever to accompany your drive or work out, whatever, definitely check it out. Um, when you said we're it. really enjoying it, I just envision you and I just like, huddling it up and just like listening through it <laughs> just sitting in a room staring us, at each other while we're both listening at the same time envision us like living together like bert and ernie style <laughs> like all right let's listen to it it's world beyond number time my wife's calling can i can you come home <laughs> <laughs> all right um well you guys know whenever we do we talk about an episode we like to do a little recap so when we do a recap, we like to cut that out, post it as a separate video. And so if you're watching just the recap, you want to see our full discussion, you can check the uh, description of this video. Um, and with that, we'll do a quick just summation of what happened. So, Will, I think you're taking the first half today. Yes, sir. So, again, this is episode 52 called Far From The Others. So where we left off last time was, you know, this blinding light of kind of the the climax of this Apogee Solstice moment with Ludinus and um, basically our party being split up and teleported away across the world. So who we pick up with now is the group that consists of FCG, Imogen, Chetney, and Fern, who are in the Crystal Sands Tundra. They basically immediately try to figure out what the heck just happened, what's going on. Um, Chetney using his, you know, awesome wolf smell says that, you know, the rest of our friends aren't here. I can't smell them. We're alone. Um, Imogen and FCG then both basically immediately attempt to send sending spells, um, to their, to their friends. Um, and Matt has them roll D 100s. And in both cases, um, the spells do not work. They just kind of fizzle out. And there's like this static that uh, Matt describes And in Imogen's case, actually, she takes a little bit of damage. Um, Chetney then recognizes that this is the Crystal Sand Tundras, um, and they are near Uthodurn, where he's from, and it's actually not too far away. And since it's so cold, like they need to start moving before that cold settles in. So <clears throat> Imogen tries to send one more sending spell to Laudna, and FCG says, "Well, maybe it's because, like, maybe the spell's not working because of where our friends are." So. He tries to send one to Dorian, but once again, both spells fail. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as they're traveling, Chetney's leading them since he's familiar with here. Um, but everyone has to make a constitution saving throw to uh, against this cold weather. Um, and Fern actually fails and suffers a point of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So as night begins to fall, they realize they need to find shelter. Um, so Imogen casts Fly and Fern uh, uses her new <clears throat> wild shape ability to turn into a flying creature since they leveled up and turns into a shoe bill. And uh, they, between the two of them, um, they're able to make everyone fly. 
And so they take to the skies and are looking for a place to sleep tonight. They eventually find this cave and they're like, okay, let's land. And they're cautiously investigating it, making sure that this would be a safe place. Um, they don't see anything. So Imogen uh, casts detect thoughts to see if she can sense anything. And she doesn't at first, but then suddenly she gets a ping as this like lizard salamander bursts out of the ground and <laughs> we roll initiative. So as always to try and go through combat a little bit quicker, I'm just going to hit the highlights. Um, this lizard salamander creature is no joke. And like I mentioned, Fern yeah. has exhaustion and the party is just wiped out to begin with. Like they haven't rested since before they infiltrated um, right. the, the, the excavation site. Uh, and this lizard also has just devastating, like ice, ice breath attack. Um, that it's like does 40 a ton points yeah. or something. It's crazy. It does a ton of damage. Um, <clears throat> so they're going at it. Uh, Imogen casts lightning bolt. Chetney whips out, you know, uh, Estros's turmoil, cast shatter through it. Um, they're doing some damage, but they're also taking a lot. When suddenly they notice two other kind of shapes move from the mouth of the cave and they hear a gunshot. And that's when yeah. Matt asks uh, Abria and Christian to join oh the table. Yes, I love this moment. And uh, <laughs> they roll initiative and Christian Navarro is up first and he describes his character as this emerald green rose gold Aormaton. Yeah. It's very elegant with a feminine face and wearing this long trench coat. Uh, there's no sleeve on the right side, however, because instead his arm is like transformed into a blunderbuss. And that was the yeah. gunshot that they heard. Um, <clears throat> they're much taller as an Aormaton than FCG standing at like six feet tall and they have legs. Um, next up, we have Abria Iyengar's character, who is this three foot tall, dark skinned gnome wearing like heavy uh, golden armor with a massive symbol of the Dawnfather. Um the party quickly realizes at the very least, these two are not in cahoots with the salamander because they're attacking it. So everyone basically, you know, for now turns their attention back towards the salamander. Um, <clears throat> combat continues. Abria's character is like, what's going on here? And she casts mass cure wounds on everyone. Um, combat continues. Uh, and eventually we get the, how do you want to do this from Fern using a scorching ray? So with the chaos kind of calming down, everyone's like kind of checking on each other. And then the introductions begin. Uh, the gnome introduces herself as Deanna and then slaps Chetney saying that he knows why. Yeah. And uh, she then tells her Aormaton companion, like, yeah, just kill him. Uh, yeah. And <clears throat> FCG's like, yeah, don't do that. And that's when um, Christian's character notices that FCG is also an Aormaton. And they ask, do you know D? And the gun on their arm like shifts back into a normal hand. Um, introductions continue. Uh, they say that I'm Frida and FCG's like, I haven't met D, but I've talked to him through messages. And we then find out that Chet and Deanna were an old fling uh, together yeah. a couple hundred years ago. Uh, she says it's a long story, but they decide they need to all make their way to Uthodern um, and Bell's Hells kind of explain what they've been through, what happened, yeah. like how they ended up here. And they actually ask, like, hey, are y'all's magics feeling off? Uh, I think Imogen asks. And Deanna's yeah, like, right. it does feel a bit weirder, like the Dawnfather is is leaning away. Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> they do decide to find uh, just a safe place in this cave to sleep for the night before continuing on. And they kind of get to know each other a bit more uh, with the party basically wanting to know what's going on with Deanna and Chetney. Yeah. 
<laughs> Deanna admits that it was a fling, it, but it didn't end when she wanted it to, but they had some beautiful memories. Uh, then she actually met her husband, had a family, and was killed. Yeah, but geez. she got better. Um, she <laughs> she traveled after her and Uthodern or her and Chetney broke up. She said she traveled to Uthodern to see where he had come from, and there was this attack at the Midsummer Festival there. And she said this was in the mid six hundreds, so like two hundred ish years ago. And there was a big creature, and she was killed. Her husband um, became an adventurer and eventually found a cleric of the Dawnfather to resurrect her. She'd been dead for almost 200 years. Um, she she says, you know, she was beyond. She had traveled to the place after this. And yeah. they're like, well, what was it like? And she basically has this metaphor about, like, if you're a snowflake, like, while you're living, dancing on the wind, death is like that snowflake landing on the ocean and kind of melting into it. Um <clears throat> She says her family that she had, they're all grown up now with families of their own. And her husband named Dustal is old and he moved on after bringing her back. He just wanted to keep his promise. Um, and it was just only a few years ago that she met Frida. Um, Frida just woke up near Uthodurn one day, very confused. And Frida heard Deanna laughing and thinks that, their job back in the Aor days must have been to like record and have recordings of people's laughter. So he heard Deanna's laughter and his instinct was to like protect. Um, D did wake Frida up, but Frida never met D. Um, and FCG shares his kind of similar awakening story and, and his history as a, you know, murder bot essentially. Um, and Frida asks, you know, did you choose your name? What does that stand for? And FCG says, no, my, you know, dancer gave me that name. And Frida says, I didn't choose mine either. And they take off their like faceplate and reveals that Frida is also an acronym standing for far ranging integrated defense aormaton. Um, <clears throat> Frida then tells FCG about this man, uh, Jacoby Maisel, um, an individual in Uthodern who is the one that made their little blunderbuss arm. And it's like, you need to check them out. Um, Frida then privately checks in with Deanna, who's kind of freaking out. She thinks all these people are cool and wants to impress them, but she's still pretty pissed at Chetney. Um, they ask, you know, why the Dawn Father? Why does she serve them? And uh, she's like, well, I was brought back like a cleric, like I said, and I just kind of felt a connection. And they kind of have this whole deeper conversation about the gods that we might touch on in our discussion. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and Frida says that, you know, I think the gods are kind of like Aormatons and that they have to be charged and like humans right. are what charge them. And Deanna's like, this is all really heavy. Like maybe we should just get some sleep for tonight. And so Frida's like, yeah, sorry, I'll, I'll take first patrol. Um, and so Frida steps out to take first patrol and everyone else begins to settle into bed. And as Imogen does, she notices her scars have like moved even further up her body and they've even begun to turn red and that's where we go to break for the first half. With FGG asking, are they on your boobies? <laughs> oh, <yeah>. And Matt's <laughs> like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> and then begrudgingly is like, yes, they yes. are. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I really appreciate you mentioning that conversation on the guys because this is going to come up more than once in this episode. Um, so morning's going to come. Uh, Deanna's going to call, going to cast uh, Death Walkers. Uh, Death Walkers. Um, Death's ward on Chetney, which is basically if you were going to die, you instead pop up with one hit point. Um, cast that on Chetney, and as Frida awakes, um, is surprised. It feels different. 
and realizes this is the first time that they've woken up to not having the death ward and very quickly realizes, okay, this, this is something happening. This is brewing between Deanna and Chetney that Deanna's casted it on Chetney. Um, uh, we have FCG who, um, bake some mango flavored bunts cakes <laughs> using that chef's feet. Sweet breads. Um, yeah, the sweet breads. That's right. <laughs> and I think had like a natural 20 um, on like the wisdom roll to make them, to make them like extra delicious. Um, and they do have a conversation on, um, you know, Frida talks about dreaming and FCG is really surprised to find out that Frida can dream. It is really just enamored with, with, you know, being with another uh, Aomorton. Um, and there's even a moment when Frida actually admits like, Hey, it, it kind of feels like we're family, like we're connected in some way. Um, they have another day's travel, Deanna and Chetney as the days come sort of wrapping up. Um, Deanna and Chetney have just more, more conversations about old times. And, um, I will say if you didn't watch this episode, it's really worth seeing this conversation because Abria, Abria does a phenomenal job. It's a very touching, um, conversation. Um, where she sort of asks, like, what have you been doing? Like, where have you been? Like, what's been going on? Uh, and even admits that after the chaos of her dying and coming back, she came back to Uthodurn looking for him. Not really so much like in a romantic, let's get back together kind of way, but sort of just looking for stability, like looking for what made sense and ended up finding yeah. home in Uthodurn. Um, Chetney mentions that he left Uthodurn on bad terms and gives a little bit more information from what we didn't know previously, or excuse me, from what we did know previously, mentioning that um, he had to leave Oldgar. Uh, there was another person that he stabbed in the kneecap, ouch, uh, and was chased by the glass blades before escaping and living in the Savalier Woods. Um, for a brief period uh, before moving on ultimately to Marquette. Um, Deanna and sort of talking to him as they're wrapping up the conversation just gives him a big hug. And it's kind of like, this is, this is really good. This is really nostalgic for me. And despite all the pain I've been through, like you're the one thing from my past that doesn't hurt to like talk about. Um, very moving conversation. And um, Chetney and <laughs> the full feels of this moment Realizing that Katha is rising to its full moon the first time since the party's been together, feels this innate hunger bursting out of him, and he quickly has to, in sort of an awkward way, run out from the camp and leave. Uh, and everyone's kind of like, what was that all about? And uh, people are like, hey, there's something you should know about Chetney. He's a little bit different. And uh, Deanna's like, uh, <laughs> it's kind of a funny moment where Abria's like, oh, I know he's a werewolf. And they're like, you do? And she's like, no, I don't. I don't know that. Um, <laughs> but they let they let her know he's a werewolf now and all this stuff. Um, and then they have another conversation on the gods. And there's another great conversation on, you know, do do we need the gods or do the gods need us? And Frida mentions, like, as they talk about Pradathos and the party lets them know, like, all the crazy things that are happening, um, Frida and Deanna are kind of like, maybe this is a good thing. And Frida mentions... Uh, you know, imagine if you couldn't sleep for thousands of years, what would it be like to finally be able to rest? Uh, Deanna, who, interesting enough, being a cleric of the Dawnfather, is not so much um, as agnostic as Frida is, but absolutely is like, you know, um, the Matron of Ravens sort of ferries us on, but separate from the Matron of Ravens, what comes after death will still be there, whether the gods are there or not. 
um, seemingly at peace with the idea of, of the gods. Um, <laughs> as Imogen points out, you know, we're not talking about sleep. We're talking about like being absolutely destroyed um, just to just to cover that up. As they're having this conversation, they're hearing Chetney howling in the distance. Uh, they just continue conversation. It can't be bad. <laughs> no big deal. And they decide, let's do, even though we can't reach the group, the other group with sending, let's try a shared dream. Uh, so FCG, Fern, and Imogen decide to do a shared dream. Uh, and they are immediately pulled to seemingly the excavation site where there is this massive red storm, this locked-in red beam that has uh, reached up into the sky and is connected to Ruidus. And at Ruidus, they can see this sort of divine golden thread sort of tethering and pulling apart. And scary enough, down below, they see hundreds of people not Paragon's Call, not the Ruby Vanguard, but red-skinned Relora, who seem to have arrived on Marquette in some way. Hold on. Um, this storm begins pulling them in. This beam begins pulling them in. Fern tries to escape. Natural One is immediately poofed out of the dream. Imogen's being grabbed into the beam, and Fern, back in the real world, basically slaps the crap out of Imogen and is like, wake up, and does wake her up. Uh, they have a conversation about it where Fern basically says, like, you know, what was that like for you? And Imogen admits it felt right. It felt like home. And in fact, talks about when they were first teleported at the end of the Malleus key activating, it felt cozy. It felt like this is, I think the words that what was used was it felt fateful. It felt like the right thing that was supposed to happen, uh, which we'll talk about uh, more later on. All that to say, um, everyone goes to sleep. Frida takes uh, watch again, and on Frida's watch, they run into Chetney, now hungering for blood, uh, prowling in the forest, and they both roll for initiative, and it's Werewolf Chetney versus Frida. And Frida, realizing that Chetney is still down in there, begins playing the recording from Deanna earlier in the day, basically saying, like, you know, you're the first thing that hasn't hurt to remember from my past. And is trying to, like, sort of snap Chetney out of it. Um, Chetney, however, is basically, for the next few rounds, going to be ripping up Frida, uh, grabbing him in his jaws, you know, throwing him on the ground, slamming him against rocks. And despite all this, Frida's going to continue to uh, try to remind Chetney of who he is, you know, playing these old sound bites. Um, Frida will shoot off their blunderbuss into the sky to alert the party like, hey, something crazy is happening. <laughs> the party's going to rush over. And finally, at last, um, Chetney rolls high enough to sort of snap out of this and realize he's hurt their new friend. And out of sort of shame and embarrassment, uh, rushes out into um, the woods. And the party kind of thinking, okay, that was, <laughs> that was crazy. Making sure Frida's okay. Uh, they turn in for the night expecting to see Chetney again in the morning. And that is where episode 52 comes one, to a close. One tiny oh, last thing. Did I, did uh, I miss something? The, the kind of cliffhanger is that Frida was bit by Chetney, so they don't know if he might be turning into a werewolf. <laughs> I didn't even take it that way. I just took it as oh, like, no, I assumed like it was almost like a tongue in cheek kind of thing. Um, 
but that's a great point though. Well, we'll, we'll discuss uh, that more here yeah, in a minute. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, all that to say, uh, that's where the episode ends. And if you are checking out just our recap, click the link in our description so you can make sure you see our full discussion. Uh, cause we're going to be talking about it right now. So my friend thoughts on the episode. I, you know, I loved it, uh, you know, pretty much per usual, um, per usual. <laughs> we were, you know, we talked about what we thought th- this was going to look like with them being split up and would be nailed some, it, by the some way. guests. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying this was a too good of a, a called shot because I feel like a lot of people had these same theories. But yeah, that is ended up being what happened, and uh, always great to see a Bria. You know, as we mentioned earlier in the episode, we're listening to Worlds Beyond Number, so getting a little double dose of a Bria this week, um, mm-hmm. and she's so fun as a player. Which we'll, I don't want to launch too far into that yet but love the episode um love seeing abria love seeing christian uh he's i don't know if, if you're familiar with him at all but he no. um, he's an actor and he's like a huge critical role fan they had him host a panel for them for like a, a couple years ago or something yeah okay um, <clears throat> um anyway so i know like i know I, I follow him on twitter he was like geeking out like he was like this was a dream come true so it's just really oh, cool wow. to see him that's great he was awesome chance. by the way yeah i thought frida was incredible um again, yeah we'll, we'll talk more about that but yeah i liked the episode um what about you all right sorry i'm, I'm still stuck on that last detail was that what the con save was for frida i think so okay okay yeah. i gotcha all right, sorry. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, I loved it. It was great. Um, you know, I, I think we've talked about this a lot of times. Like, I always kind of parse my reaction between what did I, how did I feel about it as someone being entertained, as well as how did I enjoy it seeing D and D players, you know, play a game together. Yeah, and um, I loved it on both accounts. I, I just love moments where like the you could just tell the table's having a great time, and when. Uh, Abria and Christian came out like hugs all around, just excitement. I mean, so fun, you know. I yeah. mean, you can just tell the party was just so excited. Um, and like I said, I, I, um, I think you nailed it in terms of what could possibly happen. Which, if you guys didn't see our last episode, we'll talked about how um, maybe it might be the trial, similar to the trial of the take in Camping One, where the party had a few episodes with one half of the party, and then a few episodes with the other half of the party. Um, which they're still not to Uthodurn, so it seems like we're gonna get, you know, um, at least a couple more episodes for them. Um, not necessarily in a row, but um, yeah, I like the episode a lot. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. Which I guess I already said, so that's <laughs> not necessary. Um, Nailed it. That's like a. Let's just that's a good point to jump in really quick is because that's one of the discussions I've been seeing and we've kind of had a little bit of it in our discord as well. But what do we think that like next next week's episode tomorrow's episode? Is it going to be this same group and we'll get another week of their adventures or could we possibly switch off and get episode one of what's going on with the other half of the group? I've kind of, I've flipped back and forth on where I, what I've thought was going to be the case here. I originally thought they would do if assuming it happened at all. I originally thought it would be like two of one group, two of another group. But then I was like, you know what? Maybe they're going to just go. Uh, I don't know the right word, but switch off immediately, one to one, one to one. 
because um, I was like, I wonder if there's at all going to be weird timeline stuff if they do too much with one group and then they have to shift mm-hmm. to the other where it's like, oh, the other group had a week. So now there's like that weird pacing of like, yeah, how do I make sure this other group lines up with it? <clears throat> so It'd that's be very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. To do like four days of the Apogee Solstice. Now we're back on day one. Yeah, exactly. But and I don't want to get too lost on this because I do want to talk about it later. But Matt's uh, genius and really interesting little salt he threw in this pot is the fact that like the sending spell doesn't work. I love that. Yeah. They like can't communicate with each other. That that makes it a little more easy if he does have to do something like that, since there's you know you don't have to like factor in. Okay, they sent a sending message now. Um, anyway. Well, it's very. It's also a very simple like. Why can't they just find a way to get back together like ASAP kind of thing? Um, yeah. So yeah. So that's how I was feeling, but then um, somebody brought up a good point, and I actually haven't gone back to actually watch it, but apparently Matt says something to the effect of we'll pick back up with this group next week. So if, if he does say that, then obviously it probably is these same people, which we this again thing. did leave off on this potential cliffhanger of a mm-hmm. werewolf Aorbiton, which I, I want to talk a little bit more about that too, but I'm getting long winded. The point is for my money, I'm guessing now we'll probably do two, maybe three episodes with a group and then switch to the other. Um, I'm trying to remember how they did it in Trial of the Take. I think it was 2-2, but I don't remember. Um, So I know you don't really have a a place of history to come from, but do you have any thoughts on... I mean, I would have, before you said we'll pick up again next week, I would have thought they would have alternated um, for the reasons you gave earlier, but also since they were all together for their level 9, that video Mm -hmm. on level 9. Right. I kind of wondered, I mean, they weren't wearing the same clothes, but... I kind of wondered if they were going to film one group, they were going to go home for the day, but Matt would stay. All right, the rest of you guys come in. Let's do the second half. Yeah. You know, um, which would be a lot for Matt. It'd be like an eight hour <laughs> recording session. Right. But yeah, so I would have expected them to flip over. Um, it could be that I, I could also, in terms of pacing, I could see the Uthodurn group getting a little bit more um, attention for now because I'm just thinking about. You know, we had this this peak moment with the Malleus key activating, um, all of this this stuff coming to fruition, uh, and then now we're sort of in that falling action, like leading up to the next mm-hmm. whatever that thing is, whether that's five episodes from now or even could even be longer. All this to say, Orem's group is so much closer to True. the excavation site that I could see there being kind of a weird disconnect of. I don't know if pacing is the right word, but maybe like stakes. Mm-hmm. Like you have the Uthodurn crew and then like now you have Orem who they're, they're there. Um, well, not there, but closer. At, at least, least closer. Excuse yeah. Me. Yeah. I mean, I'm still on team. If we're bringing in guest characters, like let's give us Dorian, please. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I guess if they are going to do more of Uthodurn, then we're going to have to wait a little bit longer then to find out what happens with that group. Yeah. It's, it's definitely interesting. And obviously they, I mean, nothing's set in stone. They, we could obviously, it could obviously be the next group tomorrow for all we know. But another interesting thing to think about is one, they're pre-recorded, So it's much harder to parse exactly, you know, what's going on with this type of thing. Um, but also there's guests involved. So it stands to reason that there's probably guests involved with the other half of the group, especially since there's one less main cast member with the other half of the group. So it'd be cool if we even got like maybe three guests with. The yeah. You two. get, 
you get um uh opal opal dorian, dorian um who's the girl who joined with uh, uh Rai? no not fear Rai. um oh. i forgot about fear Rai though how uh, that's such a crime uh, fear morgan? morgan yes Mori. yeah right um which i don't know if she name. continued with the group or not after the end of uh kaimal uh she i really enjoyed her in that first episode though um we but yeah, to, there's, there's... we need to finish. Neither of us have finished Kaimel. <laughs> if any of you guys have finished Kaimel, I mean, of course it's worth it. I don't know why I never have gone back, but I need to. Of course to, it's but... worth it, but but is it worth it, guys? You know, I mean, that's kind of what we're what we're thinking about. So, um, anyway, but yeah, I mean, there's space at the tables. All I was gonna say, and I'm still on team. You know, that group comes in. And then Matt, you know, folds his papers, sets them down, and comes in, sits down as Dariax and Brittany Lee Mulligan comes in. Or a Bria or, uh, or someone. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe a Bria, since we know she's there and she was the EXU yeah. DM. I don't, I yeah. think that would be cool. I don't think it'll happen just because of the, like, immensity of what's, ha- like, what's happening in the overarching world. I mean, I'm sure Matt, Matt has been very gracious about giving this world to other people to pilot, but I wonder if he would do that in the middle mm-hmm. of something this big um but I, I i forgot to even get to the point i was going to get to i'm wondering with scheduling um <clears throat> if there's if that maybe um lends itself to more of getting the same group in a in a row for a few chunks because it'd be easier to schedule guests like hey come back right. this week and three weeks from now as well you know yeah um, right it also kind of gives half the cast a little vacation you know if they're yeah. like all right you don't have to film for three more weeks um, except Matt, I guess sucks for him. He's got, he's got to be there every time unless there's the guest DM situation. Like you were saying, True. then that would True. Well, no, because he and Marisha are, would be on separate groups then. I mean, I'm assuming they would want a vacation together, you know, uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but do you, do you see, I mean, this episode was slow in terms of like, progression in terms of like moving towards like the stakes still feel still feel fairly high and that yeah. it is currently the apache solstice i don't know we don't know how long this is going to last but they didn't make it to Uthern. seemingly they have another day's travel to get there mm-hmm. um do you, and there's a lot i feel like when it comes to like implications of Uthern, yeah. you know chetney's whole backstory feels meaty enough to take more than an episode to address which you know, maybe they address it a little bit and come back to it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious, like your thoughts on like pacing and like how long I know you threw out, like maybe the two episode idea, but do you see this getting done up, tied up by this next Thursday's end? In terms of just this group? You yeah. Mean? I don't know, man, probably not. I guess. I mean, I think they can probably make it to Uther and pretty like, I think when, when we pick up with this group, regardless of when that is, I bet like first thing that happens is, all right, you, you travel for this next morning, you know, there'll be a D20 roll, I'm sure. And assuming that doesn't go haywire, they'll probably arrive. So I assume yeah. they're pretty much to Uthodern. Uh, but yeah, then it's like, <clears throat> what happens? Obviously, there's Chetney stuff that they're not going to completely ignore. So I think that's touched on at the very least. But do they have the time and the space to actually do that stuff right now i don't know it feels like the main objective is going to be find somebody that can get us teleported 
um, yeah. which maybe Chetney has to like reluctantly approach his uh, Ultgar and his old whatever the hell he was doing to like ask for a favor. I mean, it doesn't seem like that would be the case because it seems like it's on site with yeah. with that. But um, that could be the lead in to kind of tie them both together. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff in Uthodurn. We've got the FCG guy that, that Frida told FCG about that J- Jacoby, right? Mm-hmm, that seemingly, yeah. I mean, it seems like that has to happen to get FCG, get some sort of upgrade. I so want FCG's like... face to get, that sounds much darker than I mean it, but I want his face taken off. Um, cause I want to see if there's a name. Yeah. Okay. You dude, I've got, I forgot that I wanted to bring this up, but so while I was watching, I had like a, and this is like a idiot savant type of moment. Like this probably isn't <laughs> true, but I had one of those like moments where it all Charlie day clicked together for me. And I was like, well, okay. Frida is an acronym. And we know that it was from back then, like you said, but the Facebook, yeah. like that's their name. So it stands to reason that FCG might literally be a name from back then and not just like maybe Dancer called him Fresh Cut Grass because Dancer saw FCG somewhere inside. Right. Yeah. So I was like, what could it stand for? And <laughs> what I came up with was first class greeter. Um. And I was like, because I could see Sam doing something like so stupid like that, where he's based on like an, a Walmart greeter. You know, like what yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And just because like he's always so happy and that could have been like his his cover job for right. then, you know, becoming the assassin bot or whatever. But what really tied it together to me was smiley day. Like he says, smiley day to everybody, just like a greeter, you know, greets you when you come. Yeah. In. <laughs> um, so that's my crackpot theory that uh, FCG. Maybe not first class, but I feel like the G stands for greeter, and we might I'm all might about get it. that reveal sometime. Anyways, yeah, mark it down. Yeah, probably wrong, but if it's right, you know, we'll claim it. Undercover door greeter turned assassin. I'm here for it. Exactly. We're gonna find out. I it would. I will say it wouldn't be nice for him not to have a name change in terms of just like, you know. Though with Dorian, you know, with his name revealed, it was like you just keep calling me Dorian. That's fine. Yeah. Well. So if, even if that was the case, I don't think FCG would change his name. Like, I don't think that like there would be an actual like mm-hmm. new thing yeah. that, that people called him, but it would just be cool to find out what the OG one was. It's Ronald, which, <laughs> which, uh, speaking of Frida, and this is, I feel like it's kind of a natural segue, but I kind of forgot what we were even originally talking back. So feel free to get me back on course. But, um, the the far ranging integrated uh, defense aormaton or, or something like that I think is what it was, which implies like a <clears throat> like a combat. Yeah, I was thinking like a sniper or something. Yeah. but he said he didn't get his blunderbuss till he came to Uthadern. Right. So I thought that was interesting, um, but then also uh, their whole their whole conversation about what they thought their purpose was with like recording laughter and. And feeling like they were, I don't really know what line to draw from that, but like kind of therapeutic, I guess, sort of, um, which made me wonder like that kind of is at odds with the sniper bot of, of uh-huh. the acronym. So I'm wondering, is this potentially a same situation as FCG where like this, this laughter thing was the, was the, the front the cover. Yeah. Um, right. I, but then I, I don't know. Cause far ranging again, doesn't like, I don't know. It seems like then you wouldn't be like in an old person's home pretending to be a therapy bot and then 
stab them. You'd be like three rooftops away and you would just snipe them without needing to. I can see it working in the sense of like, you know, like the military people who have like the little handheld like satellite thing as they're like listening, you know, two blocks over. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can see something like that where, you know, his cover is like, I record laughter. I listen to like parties and things, but really they're collecting, you know, it's Mm. reconnaissance. Like they're collecting secrets or things like that. And I, I do think the disconnect is that it does seem like these Aomertons aren't fully cognizant of their true built purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and are sort of discovering it as they're unraveling their history. You know, I think of FCG's dream after Atahan, um, you know, seeing the woman and the man and, you know, they're kind of discovering, and, and that's probably a little bit specific to FCG, but it does seem like there is sort of like this, not brainwashing, but, you know, it, it's, ob- it's obfuscated. So I, I, I get it, like why it feels intention. Yeah. But so, I, I mean, I guess, I mean, I mean, I guess depending on how much more time we're going to spend with this group, maybe we find out more, but it seems like something that we may just, that's the information we're going to be left with as far as deciphering Frida's history. Um, but maybe not. <clears throat> maybe yeah. we get more, especially if. Speaking of the Uthodurn plot points we were just potentially talking about, another one could be if freaking this robot might be turning into a werewolf and what that like, do they try to stop it? You know, in which know case that's I like a like main thing. Together. Like, <laughs> like, I just didn't even like, I was just gonna like, oh, yeah, cool. A con save like. You know, I didn't even really think about it. And I think Abria like made a joke about like how now we get one of our own or something. And I was like, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> she said something. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, I, it's uh, I didn't even think this could work on robots. Um, yeah, but I guess it potentially can't. I mean, maybe maybe it can't like maybe he failed the con save, but like the like can't the people can't ultimately do anything uh but i kind of hope it can like i just i want to see what that means what that looks like um it seems like it would be pretty awesome becomes Um, a transformer beast wars Wars, yeah (laughs) so again i don't know if even if that is the case would they just embrace it i doubt it you know i feel like that probably becomes a, a, a quest if you will to like we got to get to Uther and see if somebody can help with this. I mean, on a meta level, I think Christian would be like, that's awesome. Like, I want to be the, you know, robot Aormaton wolf. But um, character wise, I don't know. It seems like maybe it would make more sense if they were not cool with that. It doesn't um, feel like there's any time for it. Right. Yeah. You know, um, the only like tie in I could see there being time for is Gurgis threat of if you bite someone like, well, We'll, we'll come for you. Like we'll hunt you down. Mm, that's um, true. Which is, you know, I doubt there's like a spidey sense of like, Chenny just bit someone, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but, um, I, I still way I could really see it tying in or if, if this character comes up like in a one shot in like a separate, in a separate story. Cause we've talked a lot about how with the Apogee solstice, there's it's, it's ripe with opportunity for, other one shots and things happening in other places of Alexandria. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know how they're going to handle it, but I guess we'll see this next Thursday. Yeah. And it might be something that if you can't deal with it, 
right then there's nothing you can do anyway, you know? So, cause it's, it was, it was night still, right? It was still that night. Mm-hmm. So they haven't slept. So either if they do have to do something about it, it's going to be, we have to travel through the night with exhaustion yeah. or they're going to have to sleep on it, which seems like then that too much time would have passed. Um, they're going to have to chop the arm off walking dead style. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, can we talk about Deanna? Yeah. And her story. Yeah. Um, I thought Abria just did such a great job. I mean, the more I see from Abria and also from, um, she's amazing in worlds beyond mm-hmm. as well. Um, but loved sort of her, not just like story of her past, but just, she had some lines that you were just like, wow, that was so well delivered. Um, yeah. like the snowflake landing on water yeah. and just, you know, sort of embracing becoming part of the whole. Um, and also her description of like what happens when you die, I guess. Um, and you could really feel the pain of her being gone and then having to come back. It was very, this is such a random reference. If you, if you know this reference, you know, let me know in the comments <laughs> when Buffy, the vampire dies. <laughs> Spoiler. And, <laughs> when Buffy dies, uh, so she dies in like, I don't remember what season it was. Will they bring her back? And it, there's a real like palpable, palpable, excuse me, pain point there of, I was at peace. Like I was resting. Like I, I had moved on and now I'm back. And it was this nice little tension of like, the party members are so thrilled and excited that like Buffy's back, like she's our hero. But then Buffy herself is disappointed mm-hmm. because it was like, like I said, I was, I was finally at peace and I could really kind of see that with, with a Bria's character too, of like, you know, I had moved yeah. on. I was there for however long we don't have time works. And then I came back and, and also how sad that her husband who went to this quest to bring her back moved on. Yeah, you know, um, everything's kind of moved on. You know, she said like her family's yeah. all grown and have their own families now. Um, she's kind of like tragic. She's kind of like uh, Captain America, like plucked out of of time. And now I was going to say Rip Van Winkle, but yours is a much cooler. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. I want to talk more about Deanna, but just real quick, the through line between Deanna and Frida kind of having that exact same experience. Uh, oh, yeah. Frida mentioned like, you know, when I was deactivated wherever I was. I don't really know, but there was an absence of sadness. Like I was, it was just whatever. And then I was brought back against my will. And now, um, which I think that kind of informs their position on the gods as well. Cause Frida was kind of very like, you know, let's let them sleep and they just use us as their batteries type of thing. Um, so it's cool that both he and Deanna kind of have that brought back against their will and kind of, you know, feel a certain type of way about it. Um, but yeah, Tiana's whole saga is very interesting. And I know we've talked about this before, but how old is Chetney? Like, do we know? Like, do old we actually balls, know? And I just forgot. Or like, is it say? one of those things where he just is being weird and we don't really know? I think it's both. I think they've tried to like quantify it. It's hundreds of years. I think they've, isn't it like 500 years or 600 years or something? Or I, I like a long time ago. I'm talking about like at the beginning of the campaign, I thought it was like 200 and something, but 
But then, yeah, definitely since then, like he's dropped things that imply he's like hundreds and hundreds of years old. Yeah. Okay. I'm just. And I didn't Google, so this probably is a very easy, easily answerable question. Um, Critical Wiki probably over 400 years old. Okay, so it seems like we we don't know for certain, but given the things he says, yeah, he's got to be up there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But so she and Chetney had something like 200 years ago. She said, yeah, in the 600s. Um, then he just disappears one day, which I don't know. I wonder if that's okay. Sorry. I'm, I'm kind of piecing this together as I go here. She goes to Uthodurn after they break up imply cause she wanted to see where he was from implying that they were never there together. Right. Is that fair? Right. Right. So, and we know the Ultgar stuff is in Uthodurn. Right. At least and now. she's not, and she's not aware that he's also in Uthodurn. Well, well, yeah, that was she that was one thing I wanted she, to bring up. Yeah, well, she, he's from Uthodurn. That's why she goes back to Uthodurn because she wants to kind of right. like nos- embrace nostalgia, but doesn't know Chetney is also there. Chetney has his run in and leaves while she sort of like sets up shop, I guess. Now, when you say his run in, do you just mean whatever it is? Yeah, old guard, whatever, whatever pushes him out of Uthodurn ultimately. So, Chetney. Regardless of how old he is, from Uthodurn, which I guess there's two points here. We know that he has got this backstory with Ultgar and Uthodurn, which takes place somewhat recently in his long history for Deanna to have been there at the same time. But then he's also from Uthodurn. Yeah. At least he says. So right. anyway, <clears throat> so he's from there. He leaves at some point and has this history with Deanna. We don't know where, I guess, right? Right. Well, and then they break up. Presumably, presumably near or in there, because otherwise she wouldn't think to go back to Uthodurn in like a nostalgic way. Well, unless they just talked about it and he was like, that's where I'm from. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. But so then they, they split up. She dies and he does whatever. At some point he goes back has this Ultgar stuff, which maybe he had the Ultgar stuff the whole time. I guess we don't know necessarily. We don't know like when the Ultgar stuff started. Um, she's resurrected at some point, goes to Uthodurn. They're both there for a time. Chatney leaves and the events of campaign three happen. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point she runs into Frida and then they're just chilling, I guess, while they both try to find a purpose in life. Seems fair. Yeah. Okay. Sounds about right. Just wanted to make sure I had the, the timeline right. But yeah, her story is so tragic. So I guess at some point post her and Chetney splitting up, she meets. Okay, wait, here's where I'm getting confused again, because she meets her <laughs> husband at some point. So, okay, so let me let me see if this pieces it together. And just just for simplicity, without getting like way too complicated, we're just I'm just gonna make some assumptions. Okay. Chetney and her get together in Uthodurn and they have a fling. They break up. She then meets her husband, you know, bounces back, what have you, falls in love, gets married, you know, and eventually dies. Um 
200 years go by, Chetney's up to whatever hijinks he's up to and whatever, whatever other, I think he named a few women or something and other, maybe it was just mm-hmm. Deanna. I can't remember what that was funny to call back to, but all this to say, um, Deanna's brought back to life. Her husband, everyone moves on or has moved on. She returns to Uthodurn and eventually finds Frida. Meanwhile, Chetney being in Uthodurn has his issues with Oldgar and the glass blades and eventually leaves and the, the events of campaign three begin. Um, and now here they have reconnected. The only, and I don't, we don't need to waste too much more time on this, but the only thing I'm confused about is that she goes to Uthodurn because of the Chetney connection, right? She's like, I yeah. wanted to go, but then yeah. isn't that where she dies? Cause doesn't she well, say she, like, I, mean, I went she, there I, and there was a festival and I got killed or whatever. No, no, I don't think so. Okay, I maybe that's she, why I'm confused then. No, I think I think it, the implication was like she she Dustal her wife and her family had all their lives continued on and she was looking for something to to latch on to in terms of like connection and like purpose. So she came back to a time she was truly happy back to Uthodurn. That makes and, sense to me. You know, was like this can be home. Yeah. Okay. So. That that all makes perfect sense to me. I and I'm probably just mistaken. I just thought that <laughs> I thought her be I thought her being drawn to Uthodurn was then where she died, but maybe it was just It's like twenty minutes later. All right, so <laughs> so then was it <laughs> and when did Esteros get there? I'm like, wait, wait, what? Um Yeah, okay. But yeah, I'm wondering it probably not, but I'm wondering if how she died has any type of interesting connection yeah, like to meaningfulness. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Because it would even just make Chetney feel that much worse about it, you know? And if they did have any type of, like, real connection, which it seems like, at least on her end, they did. She's still, you know, feeling types of ways about it at this point. Like, did he even ghost her for, like, any type of of noble reason, let's call it? Maybe because of what was going on with Oltgar and he wanted to, like, protect her? It, you know, I don't know if I'm giving Chetney too much credit, but... uh I could see something like that. And then maybe I, in yeah. that case, somehow that monster ties into it as well. Uh, not that yeah. it like is Chetney or anything. I don't think you would have been a werewolf then, but for me personally, I just prefer the Chetney's just an a-hole arc of like, when you go the, the angle of like, he was ultimately protecting her. Now you start to kind of get into like clicheism territory of like, right. You know, I only hurt you to protect you and which I'm not against. I don't have an issue with it. It's okay if they go that route, but all that's, I'm just saying I'm comfortable if it turns out like Jenny's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a douchebag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, I'm with you there because if it really feels like Apria was just being a, a menace by creating this character to be <laughs> Deanna. Um, I just loved them all scrambling through their notes. Yeah. <laughs> and like just, and I think at the end, I think uh, Travis was like, Matt, how could you do this to me? <laughs> you know, it was just such a, <laughs> it was just great. So <laughs> Apria's working her way through the, the cast. We had uh, Sam in Calamity. Now Travis yeah. here. Uh, it was a fun yeah. little calamity reunion on the on the top yeah. half of the. And of she the even screen. mentioned she even mentioned Laren too, which you know I, I mean I love calamity, so you know I stand any kind of reference as small <laughs> as it may be. <laughs> um, so, but so I I honestly agree with you that I doubt that there's like the full I was protecting you, uh, Deanna. But to push back a little bit on 
I do think Chetney is an asshole, but I think there is a reason for that, which that's not to say that it, it justifies what he does, but I think there's more, more to him in that way than, you know, just, just being the cranky old man, uh, which I'm assuming probably has something to do with the old gar stuff. Um, well, I know you do have a penchant for bad people and wanting to, you know, defend <laughs> is this a them, David so. reference. It is a David reference. Calm down. David's Calm a childhood down. friend who became a serial killer. <laughs> Will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just saying it could be Chetney's just a douchebag, which, you know, you're going to have to come to terms with. That's Listen, the case. all I'm saying is, is both things can be true. Like he can be <laughs> a douchebag, but there can be an interesting, you know. Yeah. A warm, gooey, chocolate reason center. for that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. What do you think's going on with old... I mean, we're going to find out, but... There's kind of two separate... or three separate things in my mind. Oldgar, the glass blades. Um, Wait, and, and the, remind me who the glass blades are? The people who chased him out of town after he stabbed. Oh, right, right, right. right. He said, I stabbed the dude in the leg, or the knee. Um, Was he talking about Oldgar? No, he talks about them separately. He talks about Olgar and the guy I stabbed in the kneecap. Okay. I, th- I think. I'm like 90% sure that's the case. But I think the guy is associated with the glass blades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then third, the Savalier Woods. Isn't that where there's like the corruption or whatever that we talked about? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this your, th- your theory from several episodes ago, in my mind, is like coming together, right? I mean... I don't know if that was buzzing in your brain at all, as you mentioned the Savalier Woods. Yeah, I mean, I, it's they're so close to them. I feel like that's another thing that they could maybe touch on. But again, is there time and space for it? Like maybe they have to. I don't know. Maybe there is no one that can just teleport them yet, and so maybe they do decide to go there to investigate if they can connect the threads for their characters. If they have, like, you know, without metagaming, if they can. Yeah. determine there's a reason to check that. Is that where he got bit? Or do we know? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, uh, I don't know, actually. But to Good cycle question. back to, mm-hmm. to what you were saying, I don't know what's going on with Olgar and how all these different factions tie in with the glass blades. If they're like relate, like maybe were they hired by Olgar to, to deal with Chetney? If, if stuff yeah. started hitting the fan between them. Um, and I, I don't think there's, it's really worth reading too much into it, but you know, again, Chetney was based on Chutney, this character from a one-shot Travis played that was one of Santa's elves. Um, so, you know, here we have them in the North Pole, if you will, the northern snowy continent, and there's this person he hates. Like, is it at all going to be, not the same thing, obviously, but is it all going to be loosely kind of based on that still? Like, is Olgar like, a, like an evil Santa-type figure or something? Like, I don't know. Or is Chetney the, you know, we take back to this story. He was angry that they were trying to get away from wood. You know, is old guard, just this benevolent toy maker and wants <laughs> to expand their offerings. And Chetney was the, you know, yeah. an obnoxious employee who just wouldn't <laughs> get with the program. You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be interesting if Chetney was just like, Oh, you're, Oh, Chetney really dude. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'd love to hear, Y'all's thoughts in the comments on what you think, yeah. what you think's going on there. Um, but yeah, I guess to, to, to get us back down to brass tacks here. Um, Cause I don't, I don't think I, we, I've given you a chance to say what you think's going to happen there yet, but what do you like? 
I guess it's hard to say because we don't know how many episodes we're going to get with this crew, but like for your money, what do you think's happening in Uthodurn and where, like, where do you think we're going? It's weird because kind of like you, you said, there's so much like open space. Um, I personally would feel really uncomfortable with indulging too deeply into these potential story threads. Because mm-hmm. for me, it just feels like a distraction of what has been the focus, which has been the Apogee Solstice. Um, and I think every episode farther we go, the less punchy the Apogee Solstice feels. Um, meaning like when we knew it was the day of the Apogee Solstice, like that episode that built that they were counting down was a really big, like tense setup episode. And then the actual episode 51 was massive. Um, if, if it turns out that we're 20 episodes later and we're like on day 23 of the Apogee Solstice, (laughs) uh, you know, it, it, for me, it really loses momentum very quickly. And so, um, I don't think they'll go that route. I'm just saying I see so much open area to like pull on threads. And yet I feel like there has to be some intentional tabling like that has to get dealt with later. Maybe we revisit it. Maybe they have a very brief run in, in Uthodurn and they wrap up the episode somehow getting back to Marquette. And then later, you know, 20 episodes from now, as they're trying to figure out how to defeat, how to defeat lewdness or what have you, um, Hey, that guy we met in Uthodurn talked about the Savalier woods. Let's go back there. Um, and then they return, you know, and it makes sense. Um, yeah. I just have a really hard time seeing them go too deeply in this. Yeah. We, we haven't even really talked about the Apogee solstice yet, but that, yeah, like, that's going to be a really interesting uh, line to, to tread of like, we have this massive thing still happening that like has to be dealt with, but like, what about these really interesting things that are right in front of you? Um, And obviously Matt has, has a vision and has this, you know, plotted out and, you know, not saying it's scripted or railroaded, but you guys know what I mean? Like he obviously has an idea of, of how this is going to come together. Um, but yeah, I, we, we did realize that Imogen has teleportation circle now, right? Didn't we figure that out when she leveled or no? We found out, I think that it was an option, not necessarily that she took it. I'm sure she would though. Uh, but there's obviously this whole static thing, which we haven't even really talked about. Um, I did want to, I mentioned it briefly earlier in the fact that I, well, one, I think it, it makes sense and it's a cool piece of the solstice like world building if you will but two i just absolutely love it that they're split up with no way to communicate because that kind of it kind of it kind of sucks some of the air out of the room if they were just immediately you okay yeah we're okay okay uh let's you guys go here we'll meet up here like this is much more interesting to me that they're actually Mm -hmm. you know separated from each other uh and the point i'm getting at is uh, would teleportation even work we do know some like they're able to fly. They're able to cast lightning bolts. So like some spells work, but mm-hmm. those are all like, how do I describe this? Those are all like self-contained Local. in the sense yeah, that they're localized. just yeah, localized. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, sending magic that travels teleportation magic, obviously maybe those types of things would be affected. Um, so it, all that to say is that even if she does have it, that might not be a solution. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's cool that uh, that uh, the 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 way the ley lines 
are messing with things. Yeah, which, speaking of the dream that they have, it feels like things are still very much in progress. You know, Matt describes sort of like the divine lattice sort of unthreading. I, I think I interpreted that correctly. Um, yeah, the it's, same... like, it's making like a hole. Yeah. Yeah. And Ray Laura are arriving on Marquette. Yeah. Which, what does that mean? I don't know. I had a couple of thoughts on this. I'm going to kind of loop Imogen into this. We know her, her scars are going crazy. Yeah. One random thought, is she turning into one? Like, is oh, she turning into a Ray Laura? Um, so there's that. Is, and something we've talked about in previous episodes with, with Rudis Borns and with Rudis and, you know, the conversation we've had about, is it two sides of the same coin with the Luxon and Beacons and Consecution? Yeah. Could these Ray Laura be like, for lack of a better term, consecuted souls and are Rudis Borns like, their potential vessels. So I was wondering right. if all those Ray Laura we see a couple options. One are, were those previously Rudis borns that were there for the, for the event and have now either transformed into Ray Laura or have been taken over by Ray Laura. Now that there's this hole in the, in the gate, like, so maybe there's a way for them to exit or is it purely just Ray Laura from Rudis have come down because of the hole. Um, I don't really have, I don't, I'm not really leaning one way or the other, but I think both would be really interesting. I think it's interesting that she sees the Ray Laura, but not the Paragon's call or Ruby Vanguard. And it does make me wonder, I like what you said about potentially, could it be Rude is born turning into Ray Laura? Cause we know in episode 51 that the, this sort of red energy began to emanate off of them. Um, and maybe, maybe, um, Liliana, like I said, I'm, I'm team. She ported them away. Um, like maybe like since they hadn't chosen this for themselves or, you know, as an act of mercy to her daughter. Um, I I don't know. I don't know, but, um, definitely it feels like that's as much as we're going to get for now until we return at least to Orem's group. Um, which I think their focus is going to be much more on like what the heck's happening in Marquette and how do we get there? Yeah. Yeah. I, so do you think, do you think there's any chance that, well, I guess it just depends what we're talking about turning into Ray Laura. Do you think that means that like they are, there's, this is kind of weird, but are they still, themselves and they're just turning into Ray Laura or do you think there's any chance that Ray Laura are like oh like taking over their bodies yeah, yeah like they yeah. have freed themselves from Rudis and now they have these Rudis born puppets that they can inhabit yeah I think both would be interesting um yeah I don't know that's yeah it, it's honestly it just makes me even more it furthers my previous point on I don't want to spend so long in Uthadurn. Um like mm-hmm. I I I like how it's set up currently. I like I think it's interesting that they're split up. But there's going to be a point where I'm going to lose interest with every additional story episode 
in one of these arcs. And I think it's going to be around probably episode three or four where I'm going to get hangry for <laughs> what's, what's happening with Orem. And then what, where is this, where is this heading towards? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can't see them having four straight episodes, like a whole over a month because of the off week without going to the other group. I'm not saying that's, that couldn't happen, but I would be very surprised. I would guess two, three max. Um, I can see them resolving it in three because think about the Briarwood um, getting Laudna back. I think that was three episodes. I I don't remember, but yeah. Like going to Whitestone, that whole interaction, going to the Upside Down <laughs> um, and freeing Laudna. I think that was about three episodes. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about campaign one. So, okay, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, but so, yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, I, I couldn't imagine that was Matt's idea to like have this moment and then have 12 episodes that were like, you know, yeah. side quests, you know, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but I, I feel like we got to see that the other group within like the next two weeks, hopefully, um, which let me take one. I want to. You 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 go where you need to go. I'm about to shift, but I want to check my notes really quick before I do that. So no, if you I'm have good. Anything else with what we're no, talking no. about? No, um, I'm good. <clears throat> uh, okay, two quick things. One on this point in particular, which you mentioned in the recap, was just Imogen feeling like Matt. Matt described what she felt like when yeah. during the dream and when this was happening of uh, being like you were connected to something you've been missing your whole life. Yeah, like, it felt good. That's really interesting to me, and it—it it, not that there was a deliberate connection here, but Very it reminded me of unsettling. what Abria said about like being the snowflake that, yeah, that melts into the ocean and kind of like. So I again, not that that was deliberate at all, um, but I'm wondering if there is like a, a death connotation there of like just releasing and letting go and like being being one with. Rudis or Pradathos or whatever that may mean, or if it's just like because she's Rudis born, because she's been part of some greater machinations in some way yeah. or another, like this is her purpose in a way. And so in that yeah. way, it feels good to kind of return to that. But did you well, have any? This isn't, this isn't the first time this has come up. I mean, if you remember, Adahan's whole encounter with them was telling her to embrace and let go. Yeah. And we, we kind of saw that in the micro as like, yeah, become part of the team, <laughs> kill your friends. <laughs> but I don't know. I going back to Lily. If Liliana did port them away, if releasing Prodathos means giving up yourself into part of the whole, the ocean, whatever that means, mm -hmm. um, I could see her mom. You know, hey, I want that to be a choice you make, and not something you're forced to do because everyone else came here willingly, mm -hmm. assumably. Um, but yeah, we, we keep getting this theme of her connection to this sense of peace and wholeness. And I, I, I think there's going to be a choice she will have to cog consciously make, um, maybe not in the near future, but I would say in the semi near future. Uh, and I think it could be pretty interesting. I think it's outside of like above the table. Um, not that. Uh, Laura would necessarily want this, but it wouldn't be the first time that a player has 
been open to a new character even and been open to the end of their first character. I mean, I have a player in my campaign who really has loved their character. And then we did this little mini campaign and he was like, Hey, I think I like that character more for how much I loved this first character, which we played for over a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and I said like any good DM, well, too bad. That's the character that you wrote. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, not that I'm not even implying that she doesn't like Imogen or anything like that. I'm just saying I like piece this also together with Orem's advice to Fern. Like, Hey, we need to keep our eyes open about Imogen. Yeah. I, I could just see an end to Imogen's story as we know it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, especially if, if two of the, any of the things we said earlier were true about like, is she turning into a Ray Laura or could one possess her um, with, with obviously there's going to be agency in that decision. Matt just wouldn't like remove her yeah. character from the board. So I'm not saying anything like that would happen, but at least these possibilities are out there and stranger things have happened. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm very interested to see. There's been a lot of conversation about like, the way it was before and the piece like Liliana described it that way back a couple episodes ago, which back then I even re remarked that that kind of sounds like death, um, which I don't, I don't think they're going into it with like the suicidal ideology necessarily, but I wonder if it all is like an, that they don't know that, but it's kind of like an, an allegory or not an allegory, yeah. uh, you know, whatever, like maybe again, I'm tying too many threads together here, but if they do get taken over by Relora, they maybe die, but they are part of this new mm -hmm. thing. Um, one other thing I want to touch well, on. on I'm this, sorry. Yeah, one last detail on that. If that is the route that it goes, it does open up opportunity for a nice, beautiful tie-in of Laudna's comments to Imogen on how like we transcend reality, like our souls are tethered. Um, I think it would be really interesting if Imogen did let go and her physical form is lost in some way, whether that's death or something else. And by the end of the campaign, there's a nice, I don't know what it would look like, but that, that soul tie realized, I don't know. I think that would be really beautiful. Yeah, but. that would be, or even like, again, I'm not saying this is the case, but if it is the case where you transform into a Ray Laura, maybe Imogen does, but like, Laudna can bring her back because of that, that like deep yeah. connection or something. Yeah. yeah. There's some cool yeah, potential there for sure. Um, I love it. <clears throat> one thing I just kind of wanted to, to briefly touch on is we kind of have this whole relationship, not relationship, but like there's this whole, this question, right. Of like, do we need the gods or should we get rid of them type of thing yeah. that's going on? I wish there was a character in the main story that was, really fighting for the gods because we really don't have one and we just got two new guests this episode that were both like against it even though they're both like dawn father clerics um yeah we don't have like a pike type character yeah. which i'm not saying like i'm i'm on that team and i really wish it had some representation i just feel like there's some there there's good meat yeah. to dig in there too if there was somebody on that like orem obviously is like they killed my family and that that's that's a great point, but he doesn't really himself feel that strongly about the gods. Particularly it's because of his personal ties to the people that died. Um, it's a fantastic point. I, I think you're spot on that 
that's it's absent tension that would be really valuable for the table, I think. Uh, and I think you make a great point on Orem being like Orem has been that person, but it's not because of his devotion to the gods, but because, right. oh, my whole family's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe FCG could become like in odd in an odd way. FCG seems to be the most religious person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as he puts it, he worships the one true God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. But it's been I don't know, it's been kind of a of a um a gag um a little bit um but yeah it, you make a great point there's there's an absence of that tension because there's an absence of that person being like no like we the gods are good um so which which i think also in terms of like entertainment i think it makes it sort of pulls away from the punchiness of the apogee solstice because we don't have that person reminding us as the viewer of the value of the gods, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in terms of not even like a, I could see like a, a, a Vax type character, you know, sort of defending the matron of Ravens and like how, you know, ferrying souls is so precious and so valuable. Um, so we, as the viewer are just kind of getting like, yeah, the gods suck. Like this is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, which again, I think kind of, I think it sort of detracts a little bit. But. Yeah. And, you know, to, to be clear, there there have been in past campaigns very religious, you know, characters that are very connected to gods, and you know, I guess we could still see them, or at least someone that has that ideology. But at the, like it, it seems like it. We could have had some interesting moments before this point if that was the case. Um, but I don't think that conversation's over, so it's still possible that. And again, it may, maybe it is FCG. Maybe there is a, a boiling point where like a decision kind of needs to be made. And maybe there's some moments there. Um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. Let me look at my notes really quick. If this can come back to me. Nope. Hopefully it comes back to me soon, but I, <laughs> I had something and it just completely left me. Um, Fun fact, Nick Jonas is canon, I guess, because of FCG's <laughs> spiritual weapon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'd yeah. be funny if Matt was like, all right, Nick, join the table. <laughs> He's a major Critical Role fan. Yeah. Well, um, is there anything else you want to talk about? There's one, I'm hoping, kind of, I remember the one thing I wanted to just say, but there's one thing we don't have to spend too much time on, but even though we don't think we're getting the other group necessarily tomorrow, it would be kind of fun to, to briefly speculate, which we already kind of did a little bit on who might join them. Now we talked about the crown keepers basically. Um, but do you have any other guesses? And I mean, if it's not them, then it's probably people brand new that we couldn't possibly guess, but just didn't know if you had any, thoughts it's not going to be i don't think it's going to be anyone from a past campaign um which i say that because i think there's opportunity there them having met the mighty nine and having engaged with vox machina um i think it'd be too weird to have like a level 20 or what have you like yeah let's team up um it would just be odd yeah so not dorian i think it's a totally new character um but maybe a maybe a fan favorite guest star. I wonder because we the other group is is Ashton, Orem, 
Laudna. And we don't we still don't know for sure where they are, but like I talked about in our last episode, they they could be in this place near the uh near Terra, which is the Earth Ashari place, which doesn't really have a direct tie to Ashton, but it could, given his quasi ties to Ashari people through the Hishari. So I wonder if we could maybe get any guests that relate to Ashton, which leads me to could we see somebody come in and play a member of the nobodies? Um, oh, because I don't remember if they actually ever did it, but back when they were making their plans, like 10 days till the solstice and they're calling everybody wasn't, didn't he at least said yeah. that he wanted to reach out to them, but I don't know if, if they ever did. Do you yeah. remember if they, they did? They did. Yeah, okay. I think they did. And I think the person was like, well, we're all over the place or something like that. Um, uh, so yeah, that'd maybe, be interesting. Maybe sure. we see one of them. Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And I'm kicking myself because I still can't remember. I feel like I had something good to say five <laughs> minutes ago. But I, it, I, it's, it's very gone. George Costanza. You'll be driving later today. And you'll be like, that's what I should have said. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, guys, let us know what you guys thought about this episode, your thoughts, theories, and uh, what the heck's going to happen. And we'll be watching this Thursday back next week. Uh, during I remember. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> I remembered. Uh, it's not that much, but it's just a quick speaking of like the whole gods versus the not gods thing. We had Frida bring up their theory about how we're just batteries for the gods. And I just thought that was interesting because that's like the third or fourth time we've had somebody express that. I think Ludness said that in or yeah. at least the research books that he found in Aeor mentioned it. And then Xerxes said some real cryptic stuff like this during Calamity being like, you know, we're not your children. Yeah. Like we created you, yes. not the other way around. That's right. And so I'm not saying that like ship it, this is true, but it's just interesting that that point keeps coming back up. So I wonder if there is any I, truth to this, that if not like humans created the gods, there's definitely, it's not like a one way street, like both maybe need each other. I think that's there's substance there because I know Matt has done a lot of um, work with blizzard and um, speaking about WoW specifically, like one of the story points in retail right now is that like for, you know, 10 plus years, it's been the Titans created the world and all this stuff. But in retail currently, it's been like, oh, that hasn't been totally true. They aren't actually like the benevolent creators that's, you know, been told to you. So I, I could see that story thread happening of, you know, the, the gods didn't necessarily come here and forge and create and, you know, anyway. So. Yeah. I, I just, there's definitely some, some juiciness there that they could be dove into. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, to bring that up because it reminded me of yeah. all the times we've been getting that little seed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry for, for cutting you off. <laughs> well, let us know what you guys think and uh, we'll be back. Uh, Will thumbnail thumbnail? Uh, I don't know. Like, if, I don't know if it would, or you have an idea. I was gonna say like Wolf Chetney and Frida or something. Was kinda... okay. Yeah. I, what I was gonna say was like the slap, but I don't know if we could really translate that through a thumbnail or not. <laughs> Why is he looking away? Well, because <laughs> he, like he got he got slapped. You know, like yeah, yeah. 
I think I think we could do whatever, and it would probably, people would probably think it's one of those two scenarios. <laughs> someone's getting slapped, or someone's getting bit by a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I was thinking one person could be like, you know, like, come here, doggy, and then the person's like, you know, wolf form or something. Okay, that works. Okay, who do you want to be? Yeah, you choose your idea. I'll be I'll be Frida. Okay, so I'll just be menacing wolf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys. Beautiful. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for supporting us. And um, we'll be back with more content coming up. Bye, y'all.